building a spaceship. Do you really think this is going to fly? Yes. Don't you? But that would be impossible. Only those who try can achieve the impossible. Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. You just heard a clip from Stillwater, the new animated children's series from Apple TV+. The program was inspired by the Zen Shorts book series, by John J. Muth. It follows the adventures of three children whose neighbor happens to be a giant panda named Stillwater. Through his beautiful stories, the very wise Stillwater helps the children cope with life's disappointments and sorrows and hold on to their sense of joy and wonder. Today, I'll talk with Malika Chopra, an author, speaker, and well-being expert who serves as the mindfulness consultant on the Stillwater TV series. Then, award-winning children's book illustrator and artist, John J. Muth himself, will join me. First, here's Malika. Hi, Malika. Welcome to the program. Could you tell us about your work and how you got involved in Stillwater? Absolutely. So I'm so thrilled to be part of the Stillwater Project. I myself am an author who have written books on meditation, mindfulness, feelings, intention, and purpose. So these books are for 8 to 12-year-olds. Just Breathe is a book on meditation, mindfulness, movement, and more. Just Feel is a book about being in touch with our feelings and how do we build resilience. And then I have um, the third of that series coming out next year, which is called Just Be You, which will be on um, intention and self-reflection. So these books are more how-to books for young kids. And I think they parallel really nicely with the Stillwater Project, which incorporates so many of these ideas. How did you get involved in the Stillwater Project? You know, I got involved more recently. Just to review uh, the episodes that were done already and give some feedback. As I said, I feel so lucky because it's a magical, magical show. Each episode is just so beautiful, so meaningful, so powerful. And so, um, you know, I feel lucky to just be involved to talk about it. What do you hope kids and their parents will take away from the series? What do you think they'll take away? I think what the series does is it brings about age-old wisdom traditions into a narrative that's really accessible, fun, kind, empathetic in its language, in its style, both visually and through the dialogue. I truly believe that storytelling is the most powerful way to share wisdom. The book was so beautiful, something that I still gift to everyone um, I know who has young kids. But I think what the team at Apple did is they really made it a beautiful narrative. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and some of the tools you learned growing up. 
many people know my father, Deepak Chopra. And what many people don't know um, is that, you know, when he first moved here as an immigrant, he worked 24-7. He um, was a very stressed out person. And my parents actually struggled often, not just financially, but just to manage um, a new world and life here. So my early memories of childhood are actually of my parents being quite stressed out. And when I was about eight or nine years old, um, my father discovered meditation. And then my mom learned how to meditate. And then he taught me and my brother And there was a real transformation in our family life as my parents became um, more, uh, less stressed, I would say, but also more connected with each other, more connected with self, um, brought meditation and mindfulness practices in their life and in turn in my family's life. So I feel like I was given the gift of meditation at a young age, at nine. It was a tool that I had throughout my life and I have been able to teach my children and in turn through my work, um, other children as well. What is the value of mindfulness and meditation? If you were talking with a family or with parents who hadn't done this at home What would be your elevator pitch? My elevator pitch is that all of us are dealing with stress. Um, All of us have feelings that range from sadness, um, fear, anxiety, to happiness and joy and excitement. And it's really nice to have tools in our toolkit that we can use to remain anchored, to slow down, to breathe and to have perspective. And so these are tools that um, have lasted through centuries actually in different wisdom traditions around the world. And so the more that we can um, explore them and use them in our own lives, we can lead healthier, happier, and more connected lives with each other. During the pandemic, of course, I mean, there are untold stresses and also opportunities for people to really slow down and reflect. I'm wondering if there are aspects of our lives now that you think would or should be carried forward once we get back to whatever our new normal is. So the pandemic has brought many issues to the fore. Um, One, uh, I think, you know, we need to recognize that we are all facing uncertainty we don't know what's going to happen in the future and that brings about anxiety. So um, any tools that we can use to um, feel more in the present. So whether that's going outside and listening to the sounds of nature, um, whether it's connecting with others and really listening um, empathetically and speaking from the heart or just even taking a deep breath in and out um, helps us anchor our body from a fight or flight response to a more present moment response. The positives of COVID, um, especially with some kids, is that they're getting more sleep. They're slowing down, as you mentioned. Um, Maybe also it's a time of reflection in terms of our busy schedules and even how we schedule our kids to really prioritize what matters, um, both from health and just giving them happiness, maybe not overscheduling as much as many kids have been overscheduled. So I think we can reflect now because we've been through many, many months of this pandemic to take away both the positives as we move forward, um, but also just take away these tools of just breathing and like I said, being present. 
and looking for that unattended joy, as it were. I wondered what are some of the most surprising moments for you in the Stillwater series where you had an aha moment and thought, this is something I haven't seen or something so rich that it it made a lasting impression on you. So I have to say from the moment um, I hit play and saw it for the first time, I just took a deep breath <laughs> and I just felt relaxed. I think what they've done in this series is taken this very Zen-like um, character and made uh, Stillwater um, really wise, very peaceful, but also joyful. And so um, I think just in watching the series, I felt both relaxed, um, but I also felt extreme joy. Um, and I think that's everything from the way the animation is done to actually still water the character and then bringing in these children that are going to be so relatable um, to other children in terms of the everyday challenges that our kids face. Everything from disappointment to sadness to fear. And in so many of the moments uh, in the series, it's not telling kids what to do, but just kind of showing like, oh, you can take a deep breath. Oh, you can look at um, the rain in a different way. Um, oh, look at uh, how beautiful um, the clouds or the kites fly in the sky. And it's just the way that they've packaged this whole thing that I think is going to just sing to children and their families. That's wonderful, Malika. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? I'd just like to encourage people um, to tune into Stillwater because I think it is going to be something so magical and special and grounding for children uh, in a time where we're all seeking tools. And what I have learned through my work is that actually often when we give kids these tools and these insights, um, they reflect them back and teach us as adults. Um, so this is going to be a wonderful project um, that is going to touch many. And I'm just honored to be part of it. Now, here is acclaimed artist and illustrator, John J. Muth. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. Hi, Susan. Thank you. Nice to be here with you. We are thrilled to have you, and we're very excited about your new TV series. But I want to start by asking you how your children's books grew out of your joy of becoming a parent. Well, I think many of us, when we become parents, we want to celebrate and it begins with this overwhelming feeling of joy. You know, here's this beautiful new life and you're the custodian. And, and, um, and so joy was the first part, but it also more complicated feelings of how do I cope with this? You know, I, I felt, um, well, I'd been living my life as an artist, which is a kind of relentless biography and you, at which you're the center. And then suddenly the center shifts to being this other person. And by extension, my experience anyway, was that the center shifts again and you find out that you are not just responsible for this other life, but rather extending outward, you find yourself responsible for a lot more than you probably thought you were. So I'd always worked in words and pictures 
And that was sort of my way of being in the world. And I had gotten so much out of art and literature. My mother was an art teacher and my father was an English professor. And so I wanted to offer my children some of the tools that I had gotten out of great literature. So the first book that I wrote and illustrated was an adaptation of a story by Leo Tolstoy called The Three Questions. And it's a kind of intrigue-filled story. And Tolstoy has these different characters that were going to be too complicated for my six or seven-year-old son to catch on to. But I wanted him to have the purport of the story. So I adapted it by changing characters to animals and, uh, and changed a bit. But that was my way of trying to be able to give my children the things that I felt would have perhaps helped them the same way that literature has always helped me. Did you find it natural to start drawing and illustrating for children? Tell our listeners the type of art you were doing before your children were born. I was doing work in comics, um, which is words and pictures. So it works for me. They were very, they were not children's stories at all. They were the the explorations of a young man, you know, working out angst and <laughs> all the kinds of things that go with that. But I ended up being asked to work in Japan by a company uh, called Kodansha, and they offered me a chance to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. So literally, just as my first, my son was born, I decided I would do a series in comics in Japan about a father and son. So I could explore how I was feeling in a way that would be useful for me. And it wasn't too far away from what I had already been doing in comics. That's so neat, John. I wondered, tell us what it is you love about writing picture books. Clearly, it it suited you. (laughs) It suits you. Yeah, it feels at home. No, it does. I think one of the things I didn't do particularly well when I was working in comics or doing work that was meant for an older audience was, I I love irony and I love sarcasm, but those are just not tools in my box. They're just not the natural thing that comes to me when I'm writing and illustrating. So those being absent and earnestness taking the four, it fit, I felt, to be working in children's books because things are what they are in, in the way I do children's books. And that seems to have the audience. Tell us now about Stillwater, the new TV series, and how it evolved from your children's books. We'd love to hear about this new venture. Well, my job in the beginning was just to say yes when Scholastic came to me and said, <laughs> said uh, could we offer this up as a, a property to be developed? And um, I had been approached by different people before and they wanted to do puppet shows. They'd done some successful puppet shows with with different places and uh, uh, different companies, generally in a kind of a low key manner. And um, I I watched happily as those things developed. And then as Scholastic involved Galmont and then eventually Apple, the whole thing sort of snowballed in a way that uh, I was involved in watching how that began and in offering sketches and ideas for how things might happen and the way people would look in the animation. It's, it's been a wonderful experience and completely out of my ken. It's not something I'm, I can never seem to do something to be something else. Brilliant people have stepped into right magnificent direction um, and the animation, just jaw-dropping animation, not to mention the people who are the characters of the, of the people in Stillwater, Michael, Carl, and 
Addie and and James Sai, who plays Stillwater, does a beautiful job, I think. I saw the trailer and it really is. It's magnificent. What are some of your favorite moments from the show? What do you hope viewers will take away from it? There are these little moments that I can't, they're so small, but I've never seen them done this way before for for uh, children's animation. Like there's this, in the episode where the character of Ku is introduced, there's a moment where Carl, the youngest, is reaching out for some comfort from Stillwater, who's distracted and turns away. And, and nothing's mentioned about it, but you see it's very clear and that moment was so heart-wrenching to me and so beautifully done because it's so true. You know, children have to deal with their jealousies of having a, a sibling, a younger sibling who's getting attention. And there's the way the story handled that I felt was just, just hats off. I just felt they were so spot on with what I had hoped would come from people uh, watching this show. And there are other things throughout. There's a, um, there, there were other episodes, like um, there's an episode with Addie who's going to be running a race, and the person she's running against is her best friend. And so she has to come to terms with how she feels about that. And that's a very moving episode as well. And Michael, the oldest of the three siblings, is uh, kind of the analytical one. And so we see him doing his scientific way of going through life. And he bumps up against different things and the way the show handles those, those moments are quite nice too. I'm, I know I'm not giving you the answer of which specific episodes necessarily, but I guess I did the Addie running and Carl with Koo. But yeah, I'm just sort of astounded that the people who've been working on the show have brought such an understanding of the world that I had hoped would be created. Honestly. Mindfulness and thoughtfulness and reflection are so important to your work, such important themes. And I wondered, of course, now the situation we find ourselves in, in a pandemic, it seems that mindfulness can be especially helpful to children and adults. Could you explain a little bit as to why that might be and what you've observed with your own experiences? Yes. Um well, Suzanne, that's a really great question, and I, I think, like all of us, I'm I'm in the position of a fish who's trying to describe the fact that he's in water. Just like it's it's hard to see exactly what we're going through, but certainly awareness and mindfulness, as I understand them, are are a practice which brings our attention back to right now. And we're so battered by current events that we're, we're becoming skittish. In fact, I guess, you know, still waters, to bring it back to still water, when you look into a pool of water, if the water is still, you can see the moon reflected in it. And if the water is agitated, the moon is scattered and fragmented, and uh, you can't see the true moon. And our mind is like that. You can't, if our minds are agitated, we cannot, we can't see the true moon. We can't see the true world. And so in my experience, mindfulness, awareness brings us back to right now. And I think that's a, that's solace as well as a tool for us in this difficult time. 
Last, I wondered if you have any advice for our listeners who may be looking for that creative spark themselves, especially now when, as you say, we're all fish flailing about. I know we can make it through this time. We're strong. And when we lose sight of our strength, there are others who, who care for us and, and they can be strong for us. And then we, in turn, will be empowered to step forward and be strong for others. I think that remembering that is crucial. As far as being creative, it's very difficult during this time. It's hard to know what, what is worthwhile uh, when you're trying to pursue it. So I would say do the thing in front of you. Be, be brought back to where you really are and, and give from the heart in that position. It's really all you have to give anyway. So why let this time um, take that away from you? I think that's important to keep in mind. Wonderful. Well, thank you, John. Is there anything else you'd like to add before Goodness, we let no, you, you go? Just, I can't believe you brought all that out of me, Susanna. <laughs> thank you. My great thanks again to Malika Chopra and John J. Muth for joining me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about John's work and the new Stillwater series from Apple TV+, check the show notes or go to scholastic.com slash podcast. Special thanks to producer Bridget Benjamin, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.